All right. Hi, everyone. I know that you're probably on mute, but uh, if you're in the Zoom chat with us, thank you so, so much for being here. I want to excitedly welcome you to the launch of Amplify Live, uh, sponsored by the Conscious Consumer Network. I am so excited to have you all here. Amplify Live is a new video cast that we will, um, we're going to use this platform in a lot of different ways, but the main thing we're going to do here is we are going to highlight change agents, makers, dreamers, doers, entrepreneurs, people who are really bringing um, fair trade and sustainable change to their local communities, just maybe in their backyard or beyond. So this is a, it's a great opportunity um, for you to be here, for me to learn, and for those of you on to learn as well. My name is Takia Thompson. I'll be your host, um, your gracious host for today. Uh, and I am one of the assistant managers at 10,000 Villages. Uh, we are located in Overland Park and we are a maker to market fair trade retailer and um, we love what we do. We love amplifying the voices of the artisans in our area. And today I am so excited uh, to introduce our um, first guest, our first change agent, if you will, um, the amazing Miss Jillian Joseph. Hello, Jillian, <laughs> owner, owner of Kazuri Fair Trade. I am just living for these baskets on the wall. I love it. I love it. I'm just living for this, everything, the baskets, the necklace, and I know we're going to get into all that, but um, thank you so much for joining us for this just inaugural launch of this. This is exciting, right? This is really it's cool. It's super exciting. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Takia is, uh, is talking about, you know, how she's going to be interviewing all these awesome change makers, but you guys are going to have an awesome time getting to know her because she's an amazing change maker. And so we're going to, this is going to be a little bit of a back and forth. Yeah. It's the first time that yeah. uh, a lot of people are hearing from us. Yeah. We'll have a little, we'll have a little coffee talk only I don't <laughs> have any coffee. <laughs> um, but I thought we'd just get right into it. We're going to dive right in. And I um, thought we could both kind of share a little bit uh, about just briefly about our backgrounds, because I think you are fascinating. And I want more, you know, I read your bio and I was like, it's just not enough. I need to know from her. <laughs> And then also I thought we could talk about maybe um, a time or an experience or just like that one moment where something like crystallized for you and you were like, this is it. This is the work I want to do. This is, this is how I want to live the rest of my life and how um, you became the change agent you are today. So I'd love for you to start. Sure. Just like a small <laughs> question to begin with. I, I mean, it's, you know, we're just going to start small. We're still yeah. small. Yeah, small. we'll work up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've actually been thinking about this question and it's certainly not the first time I've been asked it, but I don't really, I can't really pinpoint like one specific catalyst that kind of launched me into, um, into fair trade, into, you know, before working with nonprofits or international development. I think that it grew kind of, um, it just kind of grew naturally and progressively over time. Mm -hmm. Um, I am from Spokane, Washington, which is where Kazuri is, um, and, uh, Spokane in, you know, 1990, 89, whenever we moved here or something as I was a two-year-old was not, um, really like a global, uh, a bastion of a, a you know, a global melting pot. Um, so I actually grew up in a, in, um, you know, a pretty, uh, you know, Kind of standard American sort of suburban existence, mm -hmm. but I was always really curious about um, things happening outside of Spokane. 
Um, and so when I went to college, I planned on studying international development um, and kind of chose my school based on that. Um, and <clears throat> we, you and I were talking about this the other day, but mm -hmm. I ended up taking a gap year kind of um, uh, serendipitously uh, before I went to college and lived in France for a year. Um, and in Paris, which was, you know, the first big city that I had lived in and really opened my eyes to uh, a yeah. lot of cultures, not just French. Um, and then uh, through college, you know, as I said, I was studying kind of international development and peace and conflict studies. And um, I was able to study abroad in Senegal um, for a semester. Um, and so that just kind of deepened my interest in um, kind of cross-cultural communication and working in some way with the global south and um, so yeah it's and then fast forward 15 years no 10 years it's 10 years since I graduated college uh -huh. and um, I've worked you know it's been a winding road to get here but um, I uh, am now working with Kazuri um, at Kazuri owning Kazuri. Um, and it's been just a little bit over a year now that I've been here. Um, Congratulations. Found, thank you. <laughs> I found that, uh, you know, working in fair trade and being part of kind of the fair trade community really ties together all of my interests in kind of, <clears throat> um, you know, financial empowerment around the world, um, working with uh, women all around the world, um, travel, mm -hmm. you know, communicating um, with folks across cultures and making connections. And, um, and I think I said this in my bio, but also beautiful things. Beautiful things. <laughs> I said it as soon as the screen popped on, I was like, I want every one of those baskets and I need them in my house right now. So you can just take them off the wall and ship them and we'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> but Takia, I know you, um, you have a little bit of a different, well, a lot of a different experience. Yeah. Um, and I think that you kind of do have a little bit more of a, a, a catalyst like that you can point to. Mm -hmm. So do you want to tell us about a little bit about how yeah. you've become the change maker you are? Yeah, um, I, uh, it's crazy how it all kind of happened because I was thinking about today, I'm like, I am a gleaner and I work in fair trade. What, um, how, where? Um, but it really, um, so to go back a little bit, so I do work for 10,000 Villages um, in Overland Park, but I also part-time, I am a gleaner. I work um, as a person who goes to local farms and orchards and community gardens, and I actually glean the excess that's, uh, that hasn't been harvested. And we, I work with an organization called After the Harvest, and we take those items, um, those that produce, and we deliver to our hungry families in the community. Um, so we're delivering health and hope. We are, um, I like to say, I'm gleaning hope for people and, and, and working in that area. So um, how all that came to be from being a gleaner to working in fair trade, still at, I'm like 40 now, and I'm just like, what is happening? But I was in college and um, we had an opportunity to take this, this class and you, know, you take the class and you learn about another culture, another country, and then you have the opportunity to go there and serve. And I thought, in my mind, I mean, in my corporate communications mind that I was getting my degree in, I was like, oh, this will be, this be nothing. Piece of cake. I'll write up a lovely little paper. Teacher will be like, oh, love it. It'll be great. Move it on. Cut, print, roll the tape, right? Um, so I went to take this class and we wound up serving in Juarez, Mexico. 
and our service there was building homes for people and just being there, being immersed in that culture, but not only that, but being immersed in the community, like my eyes were just like, listen, that whole idea of what I had of running some fancy, fabulous company, having that office on the corner, overlooking everything, waving down to everyone, like, ah, yes, that is my car in the fancy lot, you know, all those things, like gone. It wasn't about the money anymore. And it wasn't about status. It wasn't about like being an executive director or president or CEO. It was just like, I want to be in this. I want to be immersed in this. I want to be a part of building a community that thrives, you know, and, and helping to do that. And also seeing how, um, you know, there are so many that have so much to offer, but no platform to, no platform to share it no one's giving them that chance, you know, and not to say that I'm all great, grand and wonderful and can do that. But that was just that turn for me. And I remember someone saying like, whoa, 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 you're, you're moving after college to be a missionary for the summer. You had plans. You were going to go work for this company and do that. Remember? And I said, oh yeah, I fully remember. I had it all planned out, but see, that's not how it went. Um, and so now I'm in this, this life of service really. Um, this life of building community, this life of, as you know, we talked about amplifying the voices of the marginalized and those people who, who have a voice and have so much to say and so much to share, but not the platform to do it on. So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me <laughs> and where I am. I got here. <laughs> um, and we, and just to kind of follow up on like, the gleaning and the and like you you are a woman who wears many hats just so you guys know um this is like the third conversation uh engaging with audiences that takia has had today so we're very lucky to have her she's a woman in high strong i'm going strong (laughs) so you wear a lot of hats and so maybe you can tell us kind of how how you kind of weave them together or how you kind of see them coming together yeah um one of the things I love about gleaning and fair trade is they're both about building community and sustainable community, right? Um, with gleaning, you know, our goal is to not only get fresh fruit, uh, fresh produce to hungry people, but it's also about ending that food waste. It's about creating that sustainable lifestyle um, and, and building that into communities and letting people know, hey, you can um, nourish yourself. You can have this opportunity to to grow your own food, to, to um, you know, heal your body with good things, you know, but it's also, we're also helping our local growers um, who for, you know, a number of reasons, especially now with what all that's happening in our world, that they can't sell the the produce that they're, they're growing. So that's an opportunity for us to come in and work alongside them um, to end that food waste portion of it. And then, you know, you come to the fair trade in and it's, it's that, again, building sustainable change and building community in particular with the artisans and giving them a voice, but sustaining that ancient craft of all the, the many ways that they create the products that they create. Like I told someone the other day, I'm like, they're not just going on Pinterest and figuring out how to do this. Like, this is, this is not a Pinterest thing. Yeah. Okay. This is like skill beyond skill here. Yeah, they didn't just pull up a YouTube video. (laughs) Like, you know what? Let me Google that. I make that basket. Like you're not doing that. Um, and so that, again, it's like giving that voice of sustainability and also 
again, we're ending waste, you know, we're about, I think both jobs, gleaning and fair trade, um, gleaning and working in fair trade for me are about what we always say, people and planet first, you know, we're, we're focused on people, but we're also focused on sustaining um, this beautiful earth that we're living on and making sure. So when our artisans tell us, yeah, you know, I have this sorry wrap, but I use the extra material to make this skirt, to make this bag, to make this purse, to make this scrunchie, like, that's amazing, right? That's like, so I, I blend the two together. They, they walk alongside each other beautifully. And I don't feel as though I'm being tugged in, you know, one place more than the other. I think they uh, weave together um, perfectly. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about that. So, and I think that's so fun. And I wanted to ask you, um, you're sharing kind of like the moment that, that brought you here. Um, and even though you, you know, you kind of already been in this, you kind of made a hard pivot. I mean, you went from you know, pretty focused, like nonprofit corporate kind of a life to now you're this small business owner. And we know that comes with ups and downs, small business owner in general, ups and downs. And um, although I always like to focus on all the positive, I want to just, I want to touch base with you because I want to see how you're doing as a small business owner with everything that's happening with uh, COVID-19, with how are you sustaining? How are you going? And then we'll move into why you love what you do so much. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting year to uh, take over a business. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a time to choose that, what huh? <laughs> a time, what a time. You know, the first uh, 10 months were amazing. <laughs> and then the last three or so have really been a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. um, but I've been, you know, one of the the things that's so special about Kazuri, you know, it was, it's been around for uh almost 12 years now. So Ooh, it had yeah. a long life before I came along. Yeah. Um, one of the most special things about it is the community that has um, kind of grown around the store. You know, there are folks who have been coming here for all 12 years of its existence. Yeah. There are people who, you know, just found about found out about it um, a few weeks ago, but people get super engaged with it. And love having the store here. There's not really anything else quite like it in Spokane. So unique. Um, yeah. And so I got a ton of support from our community, um, you know, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I, I have to say like the first week of shutdown, like the, the week that we closed the store, <clears throat> I decided to close just a little bit before we were mandated to close. Um, mm -hmm. But that week I pretty much like spent on the couch <laughs> and it was like you know just like spiraling thinking about all the things I should be doing to keep the business going and oh what about that plan I had to start e-commerce like six yeah. months ago and what about this or what about that but um oh, wow after that I yeah it's it's been a roller coaster like yeah. I said but um after kind of wallowing a little bit, uh, I was able to get up and do some sales over social media. And um, and I think I've actually grown the community of Kazuri quite a bit during this time because I've had friends from, you know, across the country, former coworkers, mm -hmm. even like I've figured out how to ship to Europe because I have friends oh, there who have wanted to buy things from the that. store. So that has been a silver lining, yeah. but it has been a tough time. That's all, like you have people pouring in and like, and by the way, I just want to say it is totally okay to just sit there on the couch and be like, I oh, cannot believe. I know. You know, for all those people that are like, come on, just get in there. I'm like, no, you need to, you know, listen, sit there, Netflix and chill for a little bit and take it all in 
and sit in it so that I'm glad that you you did that and I'm glad yeah. you took that moment um yeah. and now that you're you're um you're going well I feel like this positive light this positive energy from you about that what is what drives you like what's the best part about being a small business owner particularly owning Kazuri yeah I think for me um the most kind of gratifying and just the best part of being a small business owner and owning a fair trade store mm. is that I'm able to have control over the impact that I have in my life. Oh, um, you know, globally in our community and even like on my men my own personal mental health, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a boss that first week of quarantine being like, well, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> You're still working, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like over my shoulder. I mean, I definitely have that voice in my head. Right. But because it's, but it's a little bit more gentle. It's yeah. Gentle. And, yeah. you know, I, I can tell it to shut up. So, exactly. Um, so, like, just having that kind of personal control and being able to, you know, set my own expectations and boundaries and everything like that is that's something I've learned over the last decade. Uh, of working that is really valuable to me and not something that I, you know, thought I would, thought would be important to me when I first started out. Yeah. But the broader impact that I think is really gratifying about working with Kazuri is that I can decide, you know, which artisans to support, which businesses to support, mm. um, where my money is going. And then also where the money of my customers are going is going um you know we try to be really involved in the local community as well with like donating to different local organizations and mm -hmm. i can choose which organizations those go to I, I obviously take a lot of input from people um right. and and you know a lot of what i do has has been um kind of set out as a template by kim who's on the call mm -hmm. the, our previous owner and so I'm super grateful for that. But, <clears throat> you know, um, if there were things that I didn't like how she did, I could change them. Mm -hmm. um, there weren't a lot. <laughs> but we're gonna throw that out there. <laughs> but I could choose what to continue that I, I loved what she did about the store. And so, um, yeah, being just being able to kind of control the impact <clears throat> of um, that I have both on my community, the world, um, and then myself too. Yeah. I love that. I had to write that down, like control the impact over in my life, because that is so, that's so true. I mean, you get to have that as a small business owner, but as a fair trade, oh, that's like huge. You really yeah. do have a lot of say, use your platform for that. So I love that. I love that. I was like, I have to write that down. I was like, yeah, control over impact sounds better than being a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's tomato to model. It's all in how you put it out there. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think that I love that you've been able to just see the positive, you know, side of everything. And, and like you said, you know, for me, like the most satisfying part of my work is that we get to build community. Like we get to have these conversations, like this is the best part of my job is spotlighting amazing people like you and the artisans that we work with. And, you know, when I'm gleaning, it's, it's, uh, talking to the families and sharing their story. And I think all that comes down to just really building um, a community um, that's, that stays strong together, that you know, we can kind of thrive together on that. So um, I really like that. 
And since we talked about your store a little bit, I would be totally remiss if I didn't um, just kind of bring this up and ask. Um, your store, as Sarah has said, is a feast for the eyes. And I, and I can only see the baskets and I, I wanna just live there. So <laughs> I wondered if you could talk a little bit about maybe one of the products that you, that you have um, and, and not just the product, but maybe the story behind it. Because one of the things, um, how this all came about with Amplify Live and Amplifying These, these Voices was, you know, I got to talk with Denise at, at with Ganesh Hamal and, and working with uh, the Conscious Consumer Network. And this was the, and the, they were the catalyst for this. You know, Ganesh was the catalyst for, um, you know, kind of bringing these stories together, connecting retailers with fair, uh, with uh, fair trade movement and um, conscious consumers, you know. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that we have this. And so I don't want to take away from, you know, you and your store, I want to be able to let people see that. So uh, share away all the, all the beauties. <laughs> okay. I am going to try and make it quick because Lordy, time has flown. It is we only have like yes. five minutes. Right. And we do still have to talk about yeah. um, how to save the world from structural yeah. racism. So, and white we'll, supremacy. Yeah. So we're going to add some time. It's fine. Stick <laughs> with us, guys. Stick with us. Yeah. So um, one story that I thought I could share is um, this necklace that I'm wearing. And uh, a ring I have on and a bracelet I have on. I pretty much always have uh, a piece of jewelry on from uh, a friend of mine in Rwanda who makes jewelry. His name's Abraham Conga. And um, my kind of connection to him actually goes back to 2011, I believe. Um, so my, my father went to Rwanda on a medical mission trip um, and he went out shopping one day and was checking around one of the markets <clears throat> and he found this guy who like spoke incredible English like his his shop was super well organized and um and everybody else in the market was kind of like side-eyeing him because he was like a lot more successful than uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and so my dad kind of struck up this friendship with him um and then a couple of years later I was able to go back uh with with that group um and actually with Kim as well, um, which is a, allegedly where she got the idea that uh, I could take over the store. From her. Um, and uh, so I, I got to meet Abraham then and um, fast forward, you know, a year or two, I was working in New York um, mm -hmm. and was traveling to Rwanda like two or three times a year for um, the work that I was doing with mm -hmm. the nonprofit I was at. And so I would get to see Abraham all the time. Now, this became a problem because I kept buying jewelry. <laughs> and I was like, every time I came back, it was like my bag was heavy with all the jewelry I was buying. Um, and so at one point I was like, okay, Jillian, you gotta stop, uh, you gotta stop <laughs> buying yourself necklaces. Really? <laughs> and, and, you know, I gave some to my friends and my sisters, but then I started bringing them back um, to sell people. So mm -hmm. that was, um, we were just chatting about that before with the, yeah. with the necklace, which I needed when I brought back and sold, unfortunately. So I had to commission a new one mm -hmm. from Abraham. Mm -hmm. um, but he is a really incredible guy. Um, so when, when, like I said, when my dad met him in 2011, he was in kind of one of these little market stalls in right. Kigali. Um, and by the time I met him, he had upgraded to a shop uh, kind of a few blocks away <clears throat> that was much more um uh, kind of solid you know it was it was wasn't going anywhere 
Yeah. Um, and I had a lot more space and he was able to expand, you know, he wasn't just selling things from other people. He was actually able to expand a lot more of his um, jewelry. Um, and, uh, and then the next time I came, well, I, I guess I went back maybe one other time and saw him in that shop. The following time I went back, he had moved to a whole different neighborhood, like kind of a, 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 a little bit of a higher end neighborhood yeah. where people could come spend their their money with him um and just had expanded done this amazing job like building out the store and then again when I came back uh he actually bought the store next to him and has that whole store as a jewelry um like kind of showroom and then the other store is kind of the handicrafts that he brings in from other folks Mm -hmm. um and he's been able to start a team he's taught uh, a couple of uh, local folks how to make um, the brass jewelry that he does. This is also really sustainable because the brass that um, he gets um, comes from scrap metal essentially around Kigali and he melts it down like padlocks and different things and he melts it down um, and turns them into these beautiful pieces of art. So I, I love um, whenever somebody's like over in our earrings and they're like oh I really like I really like these earrings or like oh wow these are so cool uh-huh. I'm like I know they're amazing my friend made them <laughs> <laughs> I love it you get so excited and animated and you're like and then and then yeah. and, then it'll and they're like later. Come on, lady <laughs> they're like look I just said I like the earrings and you're like yeah. I know but really there's a story there okay and you need to hear it <laughs> totally you get emotionally involved in that and so totally. I, I love um but you telling your story was so like it was just hitting me because he was growing you know he was building up and then he was pouring back into the community he was like lifting other people up and I I'm just like that that's the beauty of fair trade that is the beauty of when it's done right right um and as a small business owner like he's been a huge inspiration to me right I, and that's that's the thing it's like you, you're gleaning all of these oh, there's a gleaning again you're gleaning all these you know these things from other people um for those who are watching for those who are on the call uh, or for those who are on the uh, chat with us I, I know it was kind of scheduled for to 7 to seven thirty, but you know we're going to go a little bit longer because um we Jillian and I were talking about this and we both really feel like we would again be remiss if we didn't touch on this subject this is not something that we are going to solve overnight although I do feel like we can change the world now I really do after talking to you I'm like we're doing it um but I I want to just bring this topic up to you and I want to get your um, perspective out you were sharing the Otterson story and I was thinking about the impact on how current events whether it's uh you know uh, weather you know storms um you know pandemic all those things, they do impact our artisans. They really do. Um, and, you know, it's not something, like I said, we can cover. It's not something we're going to get all into. And hopefully we can add to it with another conversation. But, you know, there is this, we are having this topic of racial injustice right now. I mean, it's not something we should shy away from. It is It is there. It is everywhere. It is the forefront of conversations, um, numerous conversations. So I, I would like to hear your concerns um, cause I, like I said, we don't have all the time right now to really dive into it. And I would love to have you back along with other people, um, if we can to maybe get a round table discussion about this, but what are your concerns, um, uh, specifically with sy- systemic racism, racial injustice as, as it relates to fair trade. So let's, yeah. I know that's heated. I know that's, I know. So 
like just give me what you got and we'll we'll go from there yeah <laughs> know that there will be a part two later <laughs> yes and like part three and part four. Oh yeah oh yeah mini series uh, yeah uh well first of all i like i am absolutely not an expert in this right. um and i speak from a position of privilege as a white woman mm -hmm. um but I also look at the fair trade community in the U.S. Um, at least, and mm -hmm. it is a lot of white people. So um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm, I'm super interested to hear your perspective as a woman of color who's involved with the community um, because, I, because I think it's totally valid. And also I think there's just like not a lot of rep representation in the fair trade community. Mm -hmm. um, so... A lot of the things I think about every day when, um, just when I'm in the store or when I, even when I'm telling stories, like I think about um, kind of like the tokenism uh, that we can yes. do as, as retailers and even telling stories like, you know, my story about Abraham, I think, you know, I, well, I, it was, it was a short version, but I try oh, and paint a full picture of his, you know, of his life. Like he is a full human who is really important to me and who, um, and he's not just, you know, oh, uh, oh, this jewelry is made by a black man in Rwanda, you know, mm -hmm. like there are ways that we can kind of like cherry pick different stories or, or different faces or different um, artisans that I think is actually really detrimental because it flattens the experience of those mm -hmm. folks. So I think about, uh, tokenism is definitely a risk um cultural appropriation as well like i have um i have clothing here that's made out of kitenge mm -hmm. um and i kind of struggled with that decision like do i want to bring that in and sell it to my mostly white clientele um mm -hmm. but i think you know i oh, kitenge is um wax prints uh, african prints the, the really vibrant um, yeah. colorful. Thank you. I was like to clarify for those watching or yeah. listening. Right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so I, I think about that, like, do I want to sell this to, um, you know, just a, a white person who might maybe doesn't know the history and the context. Mm. And so the way I kind of reconcile that is that I have it here and because I'm excited about it, I want to honor the story. I want to honor the people who make the clothing, um, and I hope that I can impart that to the customer who buys it yeah. um, so that it me actually means something to them. Like yeah. that is, this isn't, this part isn't necessarily about, you know, the structural racism of it all, but that's what I really hope we can do with our products in fair trade mm -hmm. is make connections. So, you know, a white woman in Spokane buys um, a shirt made by a woman in Tanzania and she can actually think about, you know, the supply chain sort of the the chain of events that brought that shirt to her mm -hmm. and it can connect her with that woman and you know put a face to africa or like you know like it can actually make her think a little bit more about where her things come from about other people around the world exactly um and i i also think a lot about uh just kind of like white saviorism and i was like <laughs> if you say it, if you don't, I may. I don't know how it's going to go, but okay, we'll just go yeah. there. <laughs> like, oh, I went to Rwanda and I met this man, Abraham, and mm -hmm. he was struggling in his market stall. And, 
and I bought jewelry from him and now he's thriving. Like right. that narrative is really problematic. And mm-hmm. I think 100%. like these are all things that are present in the fair trade. Um, like they're not, they're not in the fair trade ethos, but I think that they're mm-hmm. just like really big pitfalls that folks can fall into. Right. Um, and real traps on, on, um, on kind of, white saviorism. Uh, I was on a webinar with Manpreet Kalra recently, mm-hmm. who everybody should check out, Art, is, Art of Citizenry. Um, and it was about kind of inclusive storytelling. Um, and she brought up I a love term that. that I hadn't heard before called heropreneurship. And so okay. like you think of, um, you look at a social entrepreneur who started a fair trade brand or like in the nonprofit world that I used mm-hmm. to be in, like people really, um, really kind of like deify the people who, the often white people who start these organizations and 100%. go into communities of need and, and, you know, really ele- like single-handedly change their lives. Right. So that is um, definitely an issue. And, it, and a lot of it can be semantics, like just be careful how you talk about things, but, okay. but you know, it's intent as well. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. One, and one last thing I want you yeah. to kind of take it from here, but one last thing I think about is neocolonialism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of right alongside that white, white saviorism. <clears throat> um, you know, uh, fair trade, the fair trade movement as, as such, you know, was started in the U S mm-hmm. and so it's not, you know, I think every industry in America is like stuck in this um, white supremacist, racist paradigm where, you know, America was built on the black backs of black people mm-hmm. and it is built on generational wealth, which is mm-hmm. still largely in the hands of white people. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just think like fair trade can't be extricated from that because right. it is an American industry. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there's so much to unpack with that. I wrote down, um, <laughs> I, love, you know, I know it's like, that's why there's going to be a mini series folks, but <laughs> um, you mentioned inclusive, <clears throat> excuse me, inclusive storytelling. But mm-hmm. one of the things that you said um, when you were talking about um, just Abraham was that he is a whole human. I, I just zeroed in on that because sometimes I, I do feel when I am, just kind of talking about fair trade and in, in, in general, like I don't see, like a lot of people say like, you know, you want to see yourself in things. And, you know, as I've been working in fair trade, I don't see yeah. a lot of me um, and uh, a lot of people of color. And that's always been something that I thought, why is that? Where, where is that at? And so I'm unpacking that I'm sitting with that and trying to wrestle with that. But um, again, you mentioned like white saviors and, and all of those things. And it really comes down to, you know, how are these artisans any different than the person who, um, who happens to be white, who has this amazing skill to make these bracelets? And why do you see them as someone who you can invest in, who's someone who is just like amazing and great and you, you pour in all these different opportunities versus, you know, our artisan makers, you know, who are in, you know, marginalized countries. And you're like, oh, oh, but they, oh, we need to, like let's let's get out there and you know and then we're gonna change the world and and if you they stop they need our help they need our help well 
no, like, like I said earlier, they have these ancient skills, these under these skills passed down through generations. They don't need you to tell them how to make their baskets, their necklace, their jewelry, their clothing, their, their block printing, which listen, I will never balk at block. Never again, never again. No, I'm just like, my friends are like, oh, you can do it. I'm like, I'm going to purchase it. I will not do it. Thank you very much. But it's, it's that just that again changing that narrative it's the, it's the semantics of things it's saying it's changing the way you say those people it's or them over there like we're why is it so separate um so i think there's a lot to be to be said about it i think there's a lot to talk about but i think if we can just have the conversation and put a mirror up to the fact that it exists this is a real thing and even how you said should should i sell this particular product but yes because you are amplifying that voice you are showcasing that artisan you are spotlighting the incredible incredible skill that is it takes to create that product and you're also providing a story with that and if there can be not just providing this this great picture of you with the artisan and you got your thumbs up you know like great see what i did but no showcasing them as a whole person and that they have a family and they have these gifts and these skills and they are a valuable, a valuable being who is contributing volumes to society, volumes to the world. Um, I think if we can look at it like that and start talking about it and also encouraging other people of color to get involved in fair trade, I think that's, yeah. I think that would be great. You know, I, I, I would like to see more diversity in fair trade because you know, our artisans are diverse. The people we work, the, you know, the people we work with in our stores, um, our staff people, um, you know, hopefully are diverse. So um, I think there's a lot to a lot to talk about with that. But I'm I thank you for just being open and from a business owner perspective, um, sharing your perspective and, and your concerns about that, because I think if we can just start the conversation, it can go from there. And I don't think we need to be afraid of the conversation. Totally hopefully that is helping. (laughs) I think there's a lot of white people, myself included sometimes who are, uh, you know, I, I know I have a lot of blind spots. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes you're afraid to talk about um, these Mm -hmm. kind of weighty issues because you don't want to offend anybody or you don't want to make any mistakes, but Mm -hmm. like, we got to be okay with making mistakes. I probably made tons of mistakes in this conversation already, but like, we got to get comfortable and (laughs) (laughs) we got to get comfortable and we got to get ready to get called out Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we got to, we got to listen. Yeah. Be willing to, to share that is, is great. So thank you so much for that. Um, I know if you're still hanging in with us, thank you. Thank you so much of those you are watching. Thank you. Um, I uh, have a new best friend in Jillian, so I don't know who else is our best friend, but we're sharing. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, I know time has flown by. Um, and this is just the beginning, really. This, this whole platform is hopefully will take off. Hopefully we will be able to showcase not only uh, small business owners, but our artists and partners and makers and um, uh, doers and dreamers, like I say, like thought leaders. Um, in this arena of fair trade on all levels. I think we all have uh, an amazing part to play. Um, so we're gonna t- continue to be bold 
um, on this platform, be bold in our voices, uh, bold in the voices that we amplify, share those stories um, with this platform. And we hope, gosh, we hope that you can continue to join us um, and share, you know, share this with um, your friends uh, and your social media. Uh, thank you, Jillian, for being our first change agent that we spotlight on this. Uh, you are amazing. I already am um, pretty much planning my trip to Spokane. So just so you know, I, I will just show up. So get gear up for that. But We're, we've already planned it out. We got a best <laughs> guest room ready for you. I love it. We already got it working out. Um, but I want to let everybody know before you get off the call um, or call before you get off the chat, how can they learn more about Kazuri? Tell us all yes. the things, all yes. the things. So um, I think I maybe mentioned this about my week on the couch, but there is no e-commerce set up for Kazuri, unfortunately. However, um, I try to be active on social media, on Instagram. In particular, I need to get better about being more active on Facebook. But uh, you can find us at Kazuri Spokane um, uh, and at Shop Kazuri. Um, you can go to our website, shopkazuri.com. Uh, to get links to our um, our social media. Um, I've been doing, so even though we haven't had e-commerce, I've been doing a lot of local delivery, curbside pickup, nationwide shipping, and that will continue even though we hope to reopen um, when the community building reopens. That's okay. the building that we're in, um, hopefully Monday. But stay tuned to our social media to learn okay. more. Awesome. And after this, we will make sure that we have all of that um, information out there. Uh, be sure if you haven't already joined uh, the Conscious Consumer Network, look up Fair Trade Conscious Consumer Network on Facebook, uh, get involved in that. Um, and we will just continue on in this endeavor. And I'll probably make several little mistakes along the way, but hopefully um, it's all um, in, in the grace of getting all of this out there, because I think this is important. So Jillian, thank you so much. This Thank is you so much, Takia. Um, I'm so excited for everybody else to get to hear more from her because she is amazing. Oh. <laughs> and we need more people like you um, putting themselves out there in the fair trade world. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for joining and uh, just keep coming back. We'll be here again soon. Have a great night, everyone. Thank Bye. you. Bye everyone. Thanks for joining. Bye. Bye, Bye Takia. Thank you.